have you been inspired this year by the songs, sermons, and services from Mishkan on this very podcast? Then we invite you to consider a donation of any size to help us bring more inspiration in the new year. There's a link to donate in the show notes. From all of us at Mishkan Chicago, thank you. Hello and welcome to A Very Contact High Hanukkah, Part 2. Today's Shabbat replay is from our virtual Friday night Shabbat service on December 16th. Rabbi Lizzie delivered a drosh on the endless debate over the true meaning of Hanukkah, the Jewish story's cycle of violence and victimhood, and the coming AI apocalypse. Take it away, Rabbi. So what I wanted to talk about tonight with our community was, you know, against the backdrop of an uptick in anti-Semitism in this country and hate crimes in general, honestly. Um, in the past year, I wanted to talk about how Hanukkah speaks to this trend. But I just heard about this chat bot that the kids are using to write their term papers and college essays. So I typed into chat GPT, write a sermon about Hanukkah and anti-Jewish oppression, just to see what would happen. And five seconds later, it spit out the following. And let me just say, this is not totally the sermon for tonight. However, it's pretty extraordinary, and I had to share it with you. Um, and don't worry, I'm, I have more to say about this than uh, just quoting a robot. Um, however, it is a Jewish value to share words in the name of the person you heard them from, B'Shem Omro. So in the name of the author, this is a sermon about Hanukkah and anti-Jewish oppression by ChatGPT. <clears throat> Read dramatically by yours truly. Dear friends, as we gather to wait, I, I should stop. I should stop and just say for anybody who hasn't been following the news, this um, this is a chatbot, like a robot, like not, no human came up with this. This was culled from the collective intelligence of some big supercomputer that has made leaps and bounds of strides in the past week. And so it's been in the news. Okay, so I just want to be clear. This sounds like a person wrote it, but it didn't. Okay, okay, here we go again. Dear friends, as we gather to celebrate Hanukkah, the festival of lights, we are reminded of the story of the Maccabees and their struggle for religious freedom. The Maccabees were a group of Jewish rebels who fought against the oppressive rule of the Syrian Greek Empire, which sought to force the Jewish people to abandon their faith and customs. The Hanukkah story is one of resistance and resilience. It is the story of a small group of people who stood up against a powerful oppressor and fought for their right to practice their religion freely. The Maccabees' victory over the Syrian Greek Empire was a triumph, not just for themselves, but for all Jews who were able to maintain their faith and traditions in the face of persecution. 
As we light the Hanukkah candles, we are reminded of the importance of standing up against oppression and fighting for our rights. We are also reminded of the need to support and stand in solidarity with marginalized communities who continue to face persecution and discrimination. Today, unfortunately, we still see instances of anti-Semitism and other forms of hatred and discrimination targeting religious and ethnic communities around the world. It is our duty as members of a compassionate and just society, not to mention as Jews, to speak out against these injustices and work to create a more inclusive and equitable world for all. So as we light the Hanukkah candles and celebrate the victory of the Maccabees, let us also rededicate ourselves to the cause of justice and equality for all people. And let us work to create a world where everyone is able to live with dignity and respect. May the light of Hanukkah guide us on the journey toward a more just and compassionate world. Amen. And scene. What did you think of that sermon? I'm I'm seeing. Hmm. <laughs> Judy says I'm so glad I'm not a high school English teacher anymore. Other people say not bad. <laughs> The only thing the robot got wrong was another 10 minutes. Um, you mean like it should have been 10 minutes longer? If it were one of my sermons, it would have been Ricky. So you're right. Um, yeah, not bad, right? I mean, I actually thought fairly like ridiculously on point. Um, the way that artificial intelligence works, this particular one, is it draws from the vast amount of information available on the Internet to a- answer whatever question or request you may have. And by the way, like if you want to read more about this, I'm not going to like go deep into the technology of this because I don't totally understand it myself. But um, a lot has been written about this in the past week. And this morning, the New York Times Daily did a podcast on it, if you want to listen to it, both about the benefits and the dangers of this technology. One of the dangers might be that it puts rabbis out of a job. Because like, let's be honest, this sermon is the sermon that rabbis around the country are going to be giving this Shabbat in some form or fashion. I promise you. Right. The reason this drosh was so on point is because if you scour the Internet, the message of this holiday just emanates from the story. Of course, this non-human, non-Jewish robot got it right because this is the drosh that emanates from Hanukkah in the world in which we live with anti-Semitism and hate crimes against minorities on the rise. This is, of course, what we would get if asked to put Hanukkah in dialogue with anti-Semitism. Okay, so what the sermon doesn't address, so let me just say, I think that's a good sermon. It required some personal examples, you know, um, some some modern references, but the basic thesis is exactly right on. What it doesn't address, though, is like, what happens when the victim is victorious? What happens when the underdog becomes the top dog, right? What happens when we win? What happens when we go from the marginalized, scrappy minority fighting for our right to exist, which is the story, let alone to have equality with our non-Jewish neighbors? What happens when we then become people who are part of the ruling class, so to speak? How do we wield our power here in America, in Israel, 
right? Remembering the persecution of the past, but also not ignoring the privileges of the present. How do we hold the power that we have, the influence that we have, the voice that we have? So Rabbi Yitz Greenberg is a modern Orthodox rabbi who I frequently quote. Did I bring his book down here? Eh, thought I did. No, I didn't. Um, he's a modern Orthodox rabbi I frequently quote, and he writes in his book, The Jewish Way, about Hanukkah. He writes about all of the holidays in that book. I recommend it highly. Um, and he writes not just about the story that led up to the victory of the Maccabees, and the rededication of the temple, of course, the word Hanukkah, Hanukkah means to dedicate um, or to rededicate. And that's a reference to the rededicating of the temple in Jerusalem after it had been defiled and destroyed by King Antiochus and the, the Syrian Greek army. And they just completely, you know, they were sacrificing pigs in there and they had put up a statue of their gods. And, you know, so they, the, the Maccabees, they, they finally captured the temple again and went in, they cleaned it, they purified everything, Right. And and the story of the lighting lighting the menorah with the oil doesn't actually happen in any of the pseudo historical books. It happens much later, but nonetheless, that's the rededicating. The story goes on after that. We just tend not to tell that part of the story. Rabbi Yitz Greenberg tells it in his book. What happens after the Maccabees overthrow, overthrow the government, assume power, and then need to govern? And the short answer is it doesn't go well. And there, there were, of course, different parties among the winners, as there often are in, in, uh, in political battles, because there have to be alliances, and alliances are often forged between people who actually don't see eye to eye on many things. And so this, in this case, was the Hashmonaim, the Hasmoneans, which is like the, the dynasty of Judah Maccabee and his sons, the Pharisees. And they are kind of like the predecessors to the rabbis of the Mishnah and the Talmud, um, like the authors of the great literature. Not yet, but that's sort of in process. And then there are the ultra traditional, the traditional pietists, the Hasidim. They did not all agree on a governing strategy, but they were all in for overthrowing the anti-Semitic Syrian Greek oppressors. But once they came into power, here's what Rabbi Yitz Greenberg describes. The Hasmoneans, who were the priests, insisted on also taking over the kingship as well as the temple priesthood. The Pharisees in the coalition opposed this unification of political and religious power in one group. With deep historical wisdom, they realized that when religion and state are totally identified, compromises turn into corruption because there is no independent channel of criticism and renewal. They foresaw the moral and religious contamination that was the inevitable result of the union of priesthood and kingship. Religious concerns would inevitably be mixed up with the pure political interests of the ruling group to the detriment of both religion and government. And the next sentence is, the Maccabees went ahead and united both powers. It wasn't long before the internal fracturing among the rulers made them weak and susceptible to defeat. And eventually they were fully defeated by the Romans in a cataclysmic event. Um, 
that resulted in many hundreds of thousands of Jewish people being slaughtered and expelled from the land of Israel. See Tisha B'Av for more on that. So the Hanukkah story kind of focuses on one piece of the story, but if you read the whole story, there seems to be another lesson built into it altogether that's actually quite different from the first lesson. The lesson that, of course, you always stand up in the face of tyranny and oppression. And, and you know, even if you're small, you go against the mighty. That's a good one. That's a good one. We should not forget that. But also, the story goes on. In the Jewish story, victimhood is cyclical, right? The victim goes on to become the ruling class the and eventually the oppressor. And victims then rule with force, intimidation, and corruption to their own detriment and the detriment of the people who they were supposed to be fighting for and eventually lose everything. And the cycle continues. As I was reading this, you know, the marriage of the political and the religious, I could not help but think, obviously, about the modern state of Israel and both the rhetoric and the danger right now of the marrying of religious messianic, excuse me, messianic religious aspirations with political power. It's not a good thing. <clears throat> so another related lesson is that in this story, violence was a last resort, but our tradition is not actually, or and wasn't then and isn't now, a purely pacifistic religion, violence is permitted in situations of self-defense, which we've spoken about before. But the tradition is very wary when we begin the shift from self-defense to offense, from defense to offense. And it is this instinct to control, to dominate, and to remain in power at all costs, which requires a kind of offensive move that ultimately leads to the destruction of Jewish sovereignty. It seems that all of Jewish history, actually, after the destruction of the temple by the Romans, about the year 70, became kind of an attempt to correct the mistakes of the Maccabees or to cover over them. Because when the rabbis tell the story of Hanukkah, they barely mention the Maccabees. Right? They instead talk about the miracle of the oil that lasted eight days in the menorah, this miracle from God. So the rabbis end up going this completely opposite direction. And rather than celebrating militarism, which eventually leads to the demise of the Jewish people in the land of Israel, they ignore it. Or, or rather, they don't completely ignore it, but they celebrate the miracle of the light, of divine grace. Right? The lighting up of a candle in the night, so beautiful, so peaceful. And they even said, if you don't feel comfortable putting that menorah in your window, don't go fight the people who are making you feel unsafe. Just put it on your dining room table. Like we're not trying to provoke anybody here, guys. And, and many of us internalize that message too, right? Lay low, just keep to ourselves, keep a low profile, don't fight back. But let's be clear, that pacifistic posture led to many Jews being slaughtered over the years too, because we were taught, we the Jewish people, not to stand up, not to fight back. And that too can be corrosive on the human spirit over time, not to mention deadly. 
So it seems that there needs to be a balance struck, you know, to be found somewhere between these extremes of glorifying religious resistance, violence, violent religious resistance, excuse me, in the name of survival and glorifying pacifism also in the name of survival. So, of course, I asked chat, GBT, my new best friend, to write a sermon, a second sermon, since it's so easy for it, about Hanukkah and the dangers of power. So I'll close with this tonight. Dear friends, as we celebrate Hanukkah, the festival of lights, we remember the story of the Maccabees who fought against the powerful Greek ruler Antiochus IV and his attempt to force the Jewish people to abandon their faith and adopt Greek customs. The Maccabees were a small group of Jews who, against all odds, were able to defeat the mighty Greek army and reclaim the Holy Temple in Jerusalem. But as we reflect on this story, we must also consider the dangers of power and the temptation to use it for our own gain. The Maccabees were fighting for a just cause to defend their religious freedom and their way of life. But power can't corrupt even the most noble of intentions, and we must always be mindful of this danger. The story of Hanukkah teaches us that we must be careful with the power we wield and use it for good. It reminds us to stand up for what is right, even in the face of overwhelming odds, and to resist the temptation to succumb to the allure of power and control. As we light the candles of the Hanukkah menorah, let us remember the Maccabees and their struggle against tyranny. Let us also remember the dangers of power and the importance of using it wisely and justly. And let us rededicate ourselves to the values of freedom, justice, and equality that are at the heart of Hanukkah and our faith. May the light of Hanukkah guide us as we strive to be a force for good in the world and use our power for the greater good. And we all say, Amen. Good Shabbos. One of the things I think is so fascinating and interesting about the tradition we have inherited is that you know, we have the stories that go with the holiday, like the story of the Maccabees and the story of the oil. But then there's always also like a Haftorah snuck in there. You know, the rabbis sort of have this like subversive move, which is to, you know, take a message they want us to internalize and stick it in the Haftorah. And so during Hanukkah, the Haftorah comes from the prophet Zechariah. And in it is this trippy vision of... Uh, you know, a menorah and light and, you know, and a whole conversation between God and the prophet, you know, do you know what this means? And he's like, no, I don't know what it means. And, and, and there's a line in there that says something like, not by might and not by power, but by spirit alone. Shall we all live in peace? Not by might and not by power, but by spirit alone. Shall we all live in peace?
Shabbat Replay is a production of Mishkan Chicago. Our theme music was composed and performed by Kalman Strauss. You can always see where and when our next service will be on our calendar. There's a link in the show notes. And if you appreciated the program, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. I know you've heard it before, but it really does help. On behalf of Team Mishkan, thank you for listening. Thank you.